My name is Linda Pauling. I am one of the founders of Make-A-Wish, actually the nickname the mother of Make-A-Wish. February 4th, 1977, took Chris to the doctor. It seemed like he wasn't feeling very well. The doctor did a little pinprick and said he had leukemia. I didn't even know what it was. Dr. Paul Branco walked into my little cubicle room where I was waiting and he said, basically started with all of the medical terminology and I said, look, just give me the bottom line, what's going on here? So he said, basically you have three years, three and a half years. He has maybe 35% chance of living, maximum 50% chance. Today, with the same disease, the children are 95, 98% of survival. He was a, of course I'm prejudiced, but a wonderful little boy, just happy-go-lucky. He loved police stories. Chips and Kojak, he just loved uh, everything they did. He loved uh, seeing a patrol car, just waved to it. Probably got me out of more tickets because it could spot them way up the road, you know? When he was diagnosed, I made a vow that evening sitting by his bed that I was gonna live a lifetime in three years. Every Friday night was our date night. We would dress up, I would even wear a dress. <laughs> and uh, he loved to dress up in his little suit and tie. I would put money in his wallet and he was responsible to pay for the dinner. Uh, he pulled back the chair for mommy to sit down and he would order for us, do whatever, you know. Everything that a proper young gentleman should know. This is what we did. We had met a U.S. Customs agent by the name of Tom Austin. I had took a summer community college class with his wife. She could see I was really struggling. <laughs> I had no idea what these instructors were talking about. So she said, why don't you come over to the house and we'll study, maybe I can help. In walks Tom Austin. He sees this little boy and kind of rubs his semi-bald head and Chris drew his little pistol, said, freeze, I'm a cop. So Tommy, six foot something, Hands are up in the air. Chris searched him, frisked him, figured he was clean, so then he holstered his little weapon. Stuck out his hand, said, hi, I'm Chris Gracious. I'm a policeman. Tommy said, hi, I'm Tom Austin. Stuck out his hand, shook it, and the other hand, he pulled out a badge. And they were buddies ever since. In mid-April, I had taken Chris into the hospital to the doctor, and Paul says, you know, we're getting close to the end. Brace yourself here. So he checked him into the hospital, and the next morning, Chris was sitting up in bed, wide awake, eating breakfast and watching cartoons, waiting for me to wake up from the semi-leather chair beside the bed. And Paul walks in, Dr. Branco. He looks at the chart. He says, you know, I really don't know what is going on here. I truly expected to find him in a coma. I want to keep him one more day. If he's like this tomorrow, take him home. Enjoy, call me when you need me. So next morning I took him home and I made a phone call, but to Tom Austin. I said, Tommy, if there's any way to call in that promise of doing something for him, now is the time. Tom made phone calls. They wanted to give him a show and tell of the helicopter. They called the air rescue guys and they said, hey, do you think we can give the little guy a show and tell? And Doc Holloway came back. Hell no, we're gonna give him a ride in the damn thing and I don't care who knows about it. They actually flew him around the city of Phoenix all over. He was shown all through the 
offices, toured the building, got to sit on a motorcycle, got to steer the patrol car sitting on sergeant's lap. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Schaefer was the gentleman who officially signed in the troopers when they graduated from school. And he went to the director and he says, you know what, I'm going to swear that boy in. And the director says, well, no, just, you know, it's okay. Just give him a little plastic badge and it'll be fine. We cannot have a controlled item, actual badge with numbers on it running around out there. So the colonel went home to his wife that evening. And he said, sweetheart, I have 27 years on the patrol. I may not have a job tomorrow, but I'm swearing that boy in and I'm giving him my badge. And at the same time, he's shining up one of his older badges, doing the little knockout pins at the bottom that give rank and name and everything. We went into his office. The guy stood him on his desk and these little cowboy boots were going back and forth across all these white desk pads and papers and everything. I thought, oh my gosh. The colonel said, I hear you want to be a policeman. Chris says, yes, I am a policeman. He says, you know what? Raise your right hand. And of course, when you're seven, the left one is going to go up. The guys got him straightened around there and he took the oath of office. The colonel reached in his desk drawer, pulls out a diploma with his name on it, actually making him an honorary high patrolman in the state of Arizona. And as far as I know, it's the only one to this day. The director, everybody, where we went, they were looking at that badge to get that number because they knew who, who gave it to him. Nothing was ever said. The colonel finished out his 30 years. Not a problem. That was on April 29th, 1980. The um, following day, we kind of rested, and I got a phone call from Ron Cox, and he said... I need you to lay the boy down, measure his arms, his legs, his waist, and stay on the phone with me because I'm telling it to the people, John's uniform, who are going to custom make a uniform. On May 1st, that is when they brought it to the house with a couple motorcycles, a couple of cars, several undercover cars. Chris quickly went to change, and of course the guy's got his badge and everything all straightened around properly. And I've never seen so many big, strong, tough guys with guns cry and laugh yeah. at the same time. That was on May 1st. He passed away May 3rd. I believe all of us have a reason on this earth. I believe Christopher's reason was Make-A-Wish. And my reason is to help carry it on. By God's grace, Make-A-Wish was born. Through His grace, we are doing it because as five little nobody should have never been able to pull this off. But people came into our lives that knew what we were trying to do, believed in what we were trying to do, and just offered their time, their talents, their whatever they could do to help make it grow. This was something I was helpless to do. I'm sure the DPS would have laughed me out of the building if I knocked on the door and said, can you make my son a highway patrolman? It was just people that I had never met that just gathered, just did what they could do for this little boy. And I buried Chris in Illinois, in Kiwani. We got together when I had returned. All of us basically at the same time said, you know what, there's more kids out there. We said, yes, let's start a charity. Let's make other kids' wishes come true. 
So after about nine months, we became incorporated. People came in, volunteered their time to do all this. We opened a bank account when the IRS contacted and says, you're good to go. We all kind of sat on the floor in front of Ellen's fireplace and we emptied our wallets, our pockets, money that we could give at that time. And we came up with $37.76. And that is exactly what we opened the bank account for Make-A-Wish almost 39 years ago. We didn't have thousands of dollars and big corporations. We just had us. In 1982, Douglas Kiker came in and did a 2020 special on us, and it just blossomed from there. We had phone calls and letters. We had no office. We worked out of kitchens and garages and backyards, starting to go pretty big. And that's when we created the national organization, about 1983, to kind of govern everybody so that we're all on the same page. Then in 84, it blossomed into international. Today, we have 60 chapters throughout the United States, and we have 50 countries worldwide. And And how many wishes granted since 1983? Worldwide, 450,000. Amazing. Whether you give $1 or a million dollars, it all goes for the kids. If you've never seen a wish, It's very hard to describe it, other than pure joy for the family, that the memories, the laughter will live forever. It helps them in so many different ways that medical technology really doesn't understand. The kids come back almost normal from their wish. And many of them stay that way because they relive it over and over and over again. If you can possibly, even $37.76, This is what Make-A-Wish actually started with. So every chapter I visit, I bring that exact amount with me to donate to the chapter. That will help so much. Webster wouldn't even know the words to describe a wish. And the parents I know, they feel what I felt and it will live with them forever. It is such an honor to be able to give back to them what was given to me.